Where is InsureTech headed next? This is where indie agents own the answer. Welcome to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast. Let's go. Welcome back to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast. I am... I was on the phone with this guy for five minutes before we hit record, and I am already pumped. So I don't know what this podcast has to bring, has to offer. I do know it's going to be amazing. Um, But buckle up, because if five minutes got me this pumped, uh, the next 55 are going to be absolutely epic. Welcome, David Foster, CEO and founder of Three Arbor Insurance. How are you, sir? I'm wonderful, Sid. I'm great that I'm spending time with you. As you can see on my whiteboard for the listeners, I've got Sid is greater than everyone else. Okay. (laughs) Already in for the ego strokes. I love it, dude. Let me give one back to you. So, dude, you hopped on and everyone in the room literally went, wow, that man has beautiful hair. So I I almost introduced you as like the man with perfect hair uh, in insurance. That, that's a, you know, I, honestly, for the for anybody who's not going to watch this, they're just going to listen. I really just look like a mega pastor from a you know, church, from a mega, you know, one of those mega church pastors, right? Um, I just want you to know that is the look I'm going for uh, 100%. So. You pull it off well. You pull it off well. <laughs> um, all right. So tell me a little bit about your story of Three Arbor, because you started the company yourself and... Um, I know we talked a little bit before about, uh, you know, what this has meant to you, this journey of being a business owner and, um, you know, to you personally, maybe if you could share some of that with the audience, like how, how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I'm from a small town in Birmingham, like outside of Birmingham, Alabama. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people probably can relate to me in that. Uh, and I still do I have that giant boulder on my shoulder, right? Like a kind of, um, great Gatsby looking across at the light kind of thing of like, what am I missing? Like I've got to work to get there, work harder. Uh, and so that's kind of the mindset. I'm a third generation business owner. My granddad owned a gas station. Uh, my dad owned a tow truck company mm-hmm. um, and so more blue collar but i was exposed to that my whole life but honestly my story it's it's really fun to think about it because so much of my story was like am i willing to take a risk mm-hmm. and see myself differently uh, i had opportunities that were i was very fortunate to have some opportunities in front of me but was i willing to take that and you know i went to the university of alabama they had a sales program there I really fell in love with the idea of sales Mm. and I had no idea you can make an actual career out of it. And so when I got down there and did it, um, I got out of college and, and I took a sales route, right? I I was in it sales. I went and did medical device sales, which is the, you know, supposed to be everything in life. When you go to medical sales, right? You're supposed to be the most rich, (laughs) happy person ever. And that didn't happen for me. It just wasn't for me. I think other people figure it out, but I did not. I was, you know, money was good and all, but like I was miserable. Mm-hmm. And someone told me, they said, David, you would be great at commercial insurance. Uh, and sure enough, that person was right. Like I have so much fun doing this. And so I got the opportunity in 2016 to uh, start uh, at an agency that was brand new, about a year old, but it had a proven kind of industry leader in it. And so I saw firsthand how much fun it was to build something. 
And then I saw firsthand that I couldn't even spell insurance. <laughs> yeah, here I was closing deals. Like all I had to do was be resourceful, answer the phone. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get into some of that later, but these are things that I'm really passionate about, like response, transparency. And so I went even there two years and I was like, how to do this. And, uh, and I, I, I can't like, I tell people all the time, this is one of the things that it's hard to relate sometimes because a lot of people risk scares them. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that scare me. I'm probably not the first person that's going to go jump off the rock into the lake. Right. Like, but you can't peer pressure me to be clear. <laughs> um, but when it comes to business, like it was just to me, I was like, Oh, this is so simple. Like we're going to take this risk. Mm. And I told myself I had three years to cash flow. We cash. Here we are. We just hit our five year at Three Arbor. So Woo. Three Arbor's based. I know it's based out of Birmingham. We've got an office in Atlanta. Congrats. And we are very fortunate. We I think ninety nine percent of our premium. Just to give the listeners a little bit of an idea, context like is commercial. One percent is personal. So like. We do just very little personal lines. We do all commercial. And then we have some verticals that we like to stay in. And we just feel like if we can stay in those verticals, we can compete against shops that are a lot bigger than ours, a lot more resources because we're bringing more of a knowledge component. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has really paid off for us the more we stay in those verticals. And so here I am, like I'm having the time of my life and uh, I think I told this on another pod one time, but like, I, I'm not your trust fund kid. Like, I didn't like, I really not like, like everybody's always like, well, how do you, there's always a catch. Well, my story, there isn't a catch. Like I met someone who was willing to invest, wanted to invest into a business. I was going to start a business. And at the end of the day, it's just like going to a bank, right? Like I was able to take someone else's money, capitalize, pay them back and grow a business. Mm-hmm. I mean, and for me, it was just, that's what it is. And I think a lot of people, like, they're always looking for like, oh, what's the catch? And I'm like, there is not in this story, mm-hmm. um, truly. Uh, I'm the first one to tell people I'm lucky. Yeah. Like, it, like but I take luck and try to compound it, right? Yeah. But uh yeah, so that's where we're at right now is, is five years in, and uh, I sit in Birmingham. And just we're having a lot of fun. Man, kudos to you. That's amazing. Yeah. That's an amazing story to, to yeah. be able to build something from nothing, create something from nothing like that. Granted, with a little assist and help, but you paid them back and made it whole, and that's not something a lot of people can say. So yeah well i mean no and a lot of people in our industry it's it's sad a lot of people start agencies and they don't have any capital yeah so that's why they they die because they Mm -hmm. can't even put food on the table i mean we're only getting 10 to 15 points of the premium and so it's really hard unless you have a bunch of money you're sitting on to start one without some kind of capital injection Mm -hmm. so if you're out there like listening like you're not cheating they're doing something wrong by like go to the bank go to go an investor go to a family office like leverage other people's money to make money like yeah 100 percent. okay so five years in and it feels like you're still just getting started and when you hopped on we we started yeah we started talking there's that there's that mega church pastor that's what i'm saying there it is (laughs) so (laughs) it sounded like legacy 
for, for right now where you're at in your just sort of professional personal journey is something that's top of mind for you um, yeah. something that's kind of your soul is wrestling with and you're kind of trying to you know make sense of what are your thoughts on legacy like does it matter is it something that you i think a lot of people get into business because they say i want to leave a legacy for my kids my grandkids you know the world to know my name make my mark um which is kind of an american thing to be honest so it's it's interesting it but what do you what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean i think this is where we need to issue a trigger warning for this episode. Okay. okay. Issued. I, I, yeah. Issued trigger warning. You know, took, take all your emails to Sydney, not me. I will not okay. respond. But, <laughs> Notice um, I haven't given my email yet. So yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting. Like my story is rooted in good, hardworking men that pave a path for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather didn't know his parents. He was adopted and he went and fought in the war. He fought really hard to build a business. He was able to provide for a family. He helped my dad start the record business. I watched my dad firsthand. Um, but you know, this idea legacy legacy for me is interesting because and a lot of it is tied to my dad. So when I was 19, my dad passed away from cancer. I was in college. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I watched this man, you know, have everything. Mm. And my mom's incredible. He had an incredible wife. He had three mm. sons, grew this business up, right? And the American dream, truly. Mm. And yeah, he was 51 and dead. So there's two parts that I can like speak to when it comes to legacy that I think, I don't care if you own an agency, if you're a leader in an agency, I don't care if you are an account manager at an agency and, but you know, you go home, you got a family, you're a leader in the community. I don't care. Do not care where you're at. I think this applies to everything, but it's like, we become so obsessed with the idea of leaving our mark and things behind us. Like, and I think it's foolish. Mm. <laughs> like, and there's no way to say it. I'm not here to say like, listen, you want to make a bunch of money and leave your kids some money or make their life better. That's do you, and maybe it works out. Okay. My whole point and where I'm coming at is, is that like my dad did everything right and he didn't get to enjoy it at all. Like he didn't get to enjoy the retirement. He didn't get to enjoy me. He didn't see me get married. He didn't see my kids. Mm. Like, all for what? And some people would say, well, your dad left you a legacy of hard work and showed you how to do things. Uh, I would argue that honestly, his death is more of a legacy than anything because it showed mm-hmm. me real life and a lot of really cool things to, like, that molded me into the man I am today. But I'm not taking away the fact that my dad showed me all these amazing things. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not taking away that. Like I see it. I'm thankful for it. I'm acknowledging, though, that those things are fleeting because I'm going to try and then tell my son, who's going to hopefully tell his kids if he has them, what my dad told me, well, by the time it's getting down to those generations, we're playing the game of telephone at that point. Mm-hmm. Go to your history books. Mm-hmm. We're learning about people in elementary school. And then by the time you become an adult, you're like, wait, you told me so-and-so did blank? What? <laughs> like, it's because we're only putting in these very subjective things. 
Um, I think legacy can be subjective because it can be around, did someone buy their legacy by putting their names on buildings and doing things in the community with all their money? And so all these people think they're amazing yet, but what did their home life look like? Mm -hmm. um, I think there's some people that with great home lives but not great work lives because they're different people. I, I think it, like this person could like somebody and this person could not. And you know, I just think it's ultimately it's foolish because I think legacy allow, starts having us operate in the future way too much. And we're all just worried about leaving something behind. And I, I'm like, I'm waking up with this mindset of gratitude where I'm like, whoa, today? Mm-hmm. Like this morning, I go I go on walks in the morning. They call we call them hot girl walks in my house. Hot? All did you say hot walk. girl walks? Hot girl walks. Okay. Yep, little hot girl walk. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm just like <laughs> I, I love mean, it. Hip, hips are swinging in the neighborhood, right? Yep. Yep. Like I, I, yeah, I mean I've got you know I've got a weighted vest. I'm about to get some like probably ankle weights. I yep. mean I am <laughs> I am walking right. Bam bam bam. And it was so funny yesterday. I went up my daughter, my seven year old daughter went to her school and this little boy came up to me and said, Hey, my daughter's name's Wilder. She said, um, Wilder said you go on hot girl walks. And I'm like, yeah, you better believe I did. Like, anyways, but you know, like this morning, I'm on my hot girl walk this morning and, and it was, and it was uh, a light rain this morning. And I, I put my jacket on, put the hood up, mm -hmm. put a pot in mm -hmm. and I was going and I was just so thankful to mm -hmm. be breathing. I was so thankful to feel the rain, to see the views, to have a moment. Mm. Like I it was so nice to just be so present. Mm. Like, and as someone who's entrepreneurial and like always building and always looking ahead, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard for me. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned is that like I can't control everything. Mm. I just can't. Like, mm -hmm. I, and that's where legacy is funny to me because I can't control everything. Yeah. And, Ultimately, like, um, if people talk about me when I'm dead or there's buildings after me, cool, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I truly am just trying to live in these moments, uh, trying to be who I say I am in the day-to-day -day moments. And I think it's beautiful when we're able to live that. Uh, you know, we don't have to, like, have any regret of the past or any fear of the future kind of deal. I've heard that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's true. And... I'm really happy to be here. And, and I, there's a, there's so many people that are going to disagree with that mindset. Cause they're going to be like, no, leave a legacy for your kids. Mm. Um, like your kids will talk about how amazing you are for generations to come. You will, your actions make a direct impact on their life. Well, they do and they don't. I, like, mm -hmm. I mean, come on. Like I could get real personal. I could get real personal. You said your story, I get real personal. My family story, like everybody listening, like, you don't have to be that smart to take a step back and realize that nature and nurture are at play here. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it just is. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm one of three brothers. My mom, I mean, she raised us all the same. An incredible mom. Mm -hmm. My dad raised us all the same. Like they were, they were a unit. Me and all my, well, all three very different. <laughs> I mean, very different. And yeah. I just think like. I and then and I, I don't want to get even more of a hot take and get canceled, but I, I even think we start teetering on the lines of narcissism yep. if we think we have so much control over our kids and people's lives. I think that's okay. 
what I, when I, so what's, I love that you brought it back to the idea of like control. Um, and I would use a different term, sa same, same term, but different term in talking about legacy. Cause as you were ta talking, I was like, man, what, what really is the, like the root of this at the end of the day. Right. And I think it all comes back to this idea of free will. Like how much yeah. control do you have every day? Is there a high, like the Greek, you know, Greek mythology obviously said there's, you know, these th sisters that spin this uh, thread of yarn and then they're, you know, the fate that's fate, right? This idea of like your life is a tapestry that's already been sewn for you. Um, you know, I think Christianity believes in, uh, you know, this idea of like God and there's a higher power that is sort of writing your narrative for you. But then if you take that to the extreme, then like, what's the point of making a decision every day? Why, why even get up? Right? So there has to be some free will, but there, is there also this sort of like, uh, you know, interjection from a higher power that maybe steers, right? It's, it's this balance. And, yeah. it, and I think at the end of the day, like that, that really, to me, answers part of that question of legacy and how much control you even have of steering the world in a certain way or steering, you know? I, yeah, I, you're down. I mean, so what I've been talking to people about recently is like, you can grip harder and mm -hmm. control more and try and, um, mm -hmm. or you can go really to the other extreme and be more like, you can just be apathetic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I can speak a lot more to Christianity than other stuff, but like, I think what I see in Christianity all across the board is you do have some people that are very apathetic, mm -hmm. that they're just like, yeah, doesn't matter, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, I, I can do nothing. And then you have some that are like, no, like, I can make a difference, right? Mm -hmm. I think I think for anybody listening, I, I don't care what you believe, I think it's a good challenge for you to step back, ask, your, ask yourself, you know, is it a religion? Is it not a religion? But whatever it is, to when we start talking about these things, to really ask yourself what it is you believe. What's dangerous, and this is where faith can be very powerful for people, is that like, yeah, if you don't believe in anything at all, and you're just your mindset's like, if you're my dad, for example, mm -hmm. like, and that's your mindset, and then here you are dead at 51, mm -hmm. like that's a pretty fleeting life. And that was not your plan, period. Mm -hmm. Like it's no one's plan to get cancer, mm -hmm. right? And and so we're, the more control we put, in my opinion, the more control we put in our hands, the more we're, uh, we, we experience humility because nothing ever works out. Yeah. And, and so to your point of like, yeah, what is that why? Like, what is that thing? I think it's, that's why we have to be really careful. When we get in these beautiful conversations, like, like the grass grows in my front yard and I have to cut the grass, even though it doesn't need, like, could I just let it go? And in the winter time, it's going to die or I don't care what anybody thinks, whatever. But for some reason I cut the grass every one to two weeks, but it's going to come back and then I'm going to do it again. And it's kind of like, why? Mm -hmm. Right? Well, I personally think there's like something beautiful about when these priorities and these things are aligned that it kind of pushes and motivates you to then go and work mm -hmm. because that work is coming from this like really healthy place. Mm -hmm. um, for me, when I'm in the most healthy place, 
when my identity is not my work, mm. it is incredibly, my work is actually better. It's counterintuitive. It's hilarious. Yeah. Like, like I can leave the office and not have to worry about emails. Mm-hmm. I, I, can, I can be so productive in the day and stuff because I just know ultimately like this could, this could be gone tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I think there was some gasoline put on the fire here at three Arbor for me in this year, because my top producer at three Arbor has been out two and a half months now for pancreatitis. Oh man. And it turned real bad, like real bad. Pancreatitis. Oof. He was in the hospital for almost six weeks. He's been recovery. He still has two drains. He lost 35 pounds. He can't gain weight. Oh and gosh. he hasn't been able to produce. Yeah. He's my top producer. Yep. But where's that in the budget, mm-hmm. right? Where is that in the plans? Like, this is when I get to like, I go extreme and use the word narcissistic because I think it, I use it to make a point, but like, it's like, I spent hours on that budget. Mm-hmm. I mean, hours upon hours planning this year. Mm-hmm. And it will not be what we plan. It just won't be. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many things that are uncontrollable. And so then that then we that's where I'm like, when you have these examples in life, that's where I get to of like, well, if so many things are uncontrollable, like, and then we're like, got this plan to like go push some legacy idea for like mm. what happens when, when something doesn't happen that way? Does that mean you failed? Mm-hmm. Like, eh, no, it doesn't. And so for me, I think the takeaway on this legacy topic for anyone listening is like, all I'm asking people to do is just to be where your feet are. That's our theme here at Three Arbor for 2023 is be where your feet are. Mm-hmm. And like, all I'm asking people here in my life always is, can you just be present? can you just be in this moment do the things you love to do have a good attitude whatever you need to say whatever things on your grandmother's pillow whatever i but like be there and enjoy it yeah the future will take care of itself and what happens a lot of times is is like whatever you're doing now impacts the future anyways which is great Mm -hmm. but um i just don't want to be caught up on that because of how much is uncontrollable and i i just think it's silly and i could go through hundreds of examples right like oh you made millions of dollars and you left all this money to your kids and now you're gone and you what a legacy but all your kids suck Mm. Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. it what's the legacy that you worked really hard but now we've got three kids that don't know how to manage money or making bad decisions yeah i know i'm speaking in generalities but like we all know people with similar stories like that and so yeah once again, I think it's, I'm, I'm pushing people to be more present. Yeah. I, uh, I recently read this book. It's called When Things Fall Apart by, uh, and I'm going to pronounce her name wrong, but Pema Chodron. Um, and she wrote the book after her husband came to her and basically said that he was having an affair. And she, that's a life crisis. He, you know, they got, got a divorce. She ended up actually going over to uh, be in a Buddhist monastery for like three years and studying under this Buddhist monk and learned about mindfulness and present, you know, being present. And I think ultimately came to terms with, 
the fact that there were things going on in the relationship that weren't addressed and she wasn't as present. Not that that's any reason for someone to do what they did, right? Yeah. Not, not at all. That's not an excuse. But I think we boil things down to simply sometimes. Um, and there was a complexity there that she started to recognize. One of the stories, though, she told in this book as she was going through this journey was about um, uh, this was a family that she met at the Buddhist monastery, and their young son had uh, broken his leg badly. They didn't think that he was, uh, was going to make it. Uh, they lived in Africa at the time. And, uh, you know, something like that happens. You immediately think, oh, my gosh, um, this, this sucks, right? This is terrible. This is not good. This is not how the plan was supposed to go. He was going to go off to get a job. He was going to go off to college. He had a future, and now we're having to deal with the possibility of him not walking again. Um, two weeks later, there was a, a war that broke out in that region, and the military came through and started uh, you know, taking the, uh, the sons, basically, away from the family so that they could support this war. That young man did not actually go to war because of the, the, the leg that had been broken. Um, and he did end up recovering. It took a little longer than, than they had wanted. But because of the timing of the break, he, he ended up being able to avoid going to war and avoid the travesty that comes with being a part of that type of experience. So it's interesting because you say, you know, I, I worry like, man, what if my, what if people say my kids suck if I spend all this time on legacy? I also think there's a little bit of, you know, we're very short-sighted as humans. It's why history is written down. I mean, if I tried to tell you what I did two weeks ago on Tuesday at, you know, 936, good luck. I don't think I could tell you. Yeah. So I think sometimes we see things in these little, you know, out of our own perception, right? And, and the, the world's a lot bigger than that. And there are things that are happening that we don't understand. Maybe your kid is bad at budgeting, but maybe that's not a bad thing right now, right? Maybe there's a reason for that that you don't quite understand yet, and it's going to make sense in time. Yeah, but like, really? Like, you're in my, in my brain right now, like, you're like actually like coming alongside of me even more so in what I'm getting at of like, oh, I just worked so hard to leave all this money and things behind and then my point is like you have no like you're gone mm -hmm. and like then you have nature and nurture to your exact point times change that kid that was born at this time they're born 100 years before they could have been a different person because of time things around them right mm -hmm. and it's like yeah at that point <laughs> that kid what we would consider in 2023 is someone who sucks maybe <laughs> maybe in 2073 or whatever like they're amazing right mm -hmm. my once you know we're talking about super uncontrollable things and i love where you're taking it like it is it is much more complex it's much more bigger and for me because of all that i do simplify it personally because i recognize it and because i recognize how complex and big uncontrollable it, it produces humility in me mm. like and that and like i'm thankful for that humility i don't want to have that kind of control and responsibility mm. because i know who i am mm. like and uh, i i just think we you know and not to turn this into full counseling but you know uh, <laughs> what's like, we started it, with megachurch pastor hair so yeah, we gotta yeah, end, we are, we gotta right? end there let's I know, go I, it's just well it's just i i sit here and i'm like 
I'm like the first one to tell you, like, so much of my thinking mm. is tied to trauma that I've had. Mm-hmm. And you don't think I'm unaware of that? Mm-hmm. Like, that's my story. Like, and, and so someone who maybe hasn't experienced that is going to look at it differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I might disagree with their logic or thought processes, like, I think it's healthy to agree and disagree with people. Like, um, I really wish we would disagree more in this world, actually. But um, I I want people to think however they want to think. I just want them to honestly hear a different point of view. Because mm-hmm. what I've seen, the more agency owners and leaders that I talk to out there, they're just being fed a lot of stuff that is creating pressure mm-hmm. that is not necessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, it just breaks my heart. Like, I'm like, yo. That is not necessary. Yeah. Like, it is not. You do not have to have that standard or that word or that expectation put on you. Who is putting that on you? Why? Yeah. Like, dig, like a lot of times our problems in life, like whatever they're coming at us, that that's actually really not even the problem. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times when I talk to somebody and they might be struggling with alcohol, maybe whatever it might be, a lot of times you follow that route down and you realize like, oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we're doing a good job of peeling those layers back and getting down to the root enough of just asking ourselves why, because we're just too busy catching up with what we think is right and getting these quick dopamine hits and just following wherever we need to. Yep. And so it's like when we're present and slow down and we ask ourselves these things, we can really uncover a little bit more of like who we are and why. And mm-hmm. when you start dialing in that why, mm-hmm. that's that's where it's powerful. For me, when I started dialing it in years ago, and here I am now, and I'm still on this journey, it just allowed me to have a lot more freedom mm-hmm. in this job, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I don't have ups and downs. There was moments last year, if you talk to people at 3 Arbor, they were worried that I was going to probably quit because I put so much pressure on myself to do certain things. And I was like, just can we get there? Can we get there? And I get caught up on it. It feels like a tennis match at times, right? So mm-hmm. it's a journey. Um, I don't have it figured out by no means, but I'm in a great space with it now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it, man. I, so you brought up this idea of like urgency and, and pressure and, and really sometimes the tendency to make decisions out of that space. I think sometimes that happens with technology too. Um, or, or even just, you know, where, where do you take your business next year? How do you make Mm. that plan? Uh, we come from this. Well, I don't want this to happen, so I'm going to do this. Or I, I feel like everybody else is getting this this solution, so I'm going to do that. How, as you were, you know, I mean, you're you're building Three Arbor from the ground up. You can really make it what you want, which is an amazing place to be. Not not everybody has that opportunity. They're kind of stuck with a lot more baggage, I would say, other decisions that have been made in the past, and that change management's yeah. tough. How have you thought about the type of insurance agency that you want to build? Like, what has yeah. that looked like in this digital era? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, on the head, I mean, we always describe ourselves as a speedboat compared to a lot of people because we mm-hmm. have the ability to make quick turns. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and really, it's attributed to, you know, a lot of times people are impressed with how much we've written premium we have over five years. But a lot of it's because of that. Mm-hmm. Like, because we're able to be so nimble and do that, like, I don't feel like we get bogged down by a lot of the, you know, 
things that were before us in an agency that people do. Um, I, I have a few thoughts, and it's funny because I just got back from um, Kentucky where you were so kind to yes. refer me. Yes, awesome, yes. great. And we had great. so much fun, so much fun. And they, uh, I talked to so many people there, and, and there was some of these conversations were going on, right, of technology and how to use that. And like, because what I'm, what I'm seeing a lot of is, oh, everybody's using this. We're going to get it. Mm-hmm. We don't really know how to use it. We're going to halfway use it. Mm-hmm. And then it causes more pain, mm-hmm. right? And so all the way back, you know, some things we did through Yarbor at the foundational level that I feel like I truly think is part of the reasons why we made some of the technology decisions that we've made. But like going back to our color scheme, for example, we use a lot of black, white. Well, that whole idea around that was to be a service minded group, like a butler, mm-hmm. right? And where in insurance, you see a whole lot of uh, red and blue, mm-hmm. um, blue being calming, red being a little bit more aggressive, right? And so for us, we took a little bit more of the service color, like, you know, we're like, hey, this is going to be looking a little more financial services almost, Mm. but it's going to be more that we want that butler because we were going to like how we felt like we had to win was service Mm -hmm. because I don't have the brand, the logo, the premium that a lot of my competitors have. So that has nothing to do with tech, but it's the foundation of the agency. So when you start building on that mindset, our three core values, I talk about some blue in the face all the time. There's nothing revolutionary about them. They're just where my personal core values in my life that I allow that transfer to the business, relationships, response, transparency. What we do with those is relationships. I don't care. It's not just an internal or an external thing. I think a lot of people make it one way or the other. It's everything from client, employee, wholesaler, vendor. We know you. Like I. I'm such a relationship person that I'm a big believer in that. So when we're picking technology, we want to make sure like, how is this bettering our relationships, Mm -hmm. right? Like that is a question we ask when we look at a piece of technology, how does it better our relationships? Response, like I will go toe to toe with anyone in this country. You can email me and I will answer like, if you are a client or a prospect or someone that needs something important, like if it's high priority, we believe in quick response, period. Mm-hmm. We have won so much business and have gained trust from people by simply responding to emails fast. And I will tell this story. It's like, I'll tell anybody who will listen. It's truly one of the best things we've ever done. If you go in my iPhone and type, uh, thank you for a quick reply, thank you for a quick response into my search, you will be astonished at how many things show up saying that. That has nothing to do about insurance. Nothing. Anybody could do that, mm-hmm. right? And so when we look at technology, we're saying, how do we respond better, more efficient, mm-hmm. right? How does it apply there? And then transparency. I mean, this is like, you can't already tell on this podcast that we're doing. Like, I love to be transparent. Like, I think it's just, I think it's so healthy. I think more people should be doing it. Like, like we shouldn't be scared just to admit when we wrong, uh, when we fell, where we're struggling. Like there's a lot of people out there that, especially in our friend circles out there that like, I'm constantly hitting them up. Like, I I don't care. I don't care how big I get. Like, let let me, like, I want to learn, right? 
And so transparency is big. And so we ask ourselves from Pippin Technology, like, how's this going to allow us to be better at transparency? And if we can at least have an answer for all three or at least two and feel good, we can commit to a technology, right? And for us, I mean, we, we use a lot of different technologies, but like the tech stat journey is like ongoing. Mm. Um, and, 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 and it's annoying. It's frustrating. <laughs> like, cause you like nothing ever works mm. like together. And like you, there's all this customization and it's like, you can get it to do nine out of 10 things that you want to do and all that. But we have tried to not chase the shiny object too much. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some people might laugh because like we've got a whole bunch of like software and tech that you've heard of, but our whole, our rule, and everybody knows this at Three Arbor because I don't get, I truly don't get annoyed at much in life, but anything that sits on the shelf is like, it's like one of those things that like, I don't care how much the money is. It just bothers me out of principle. Mm-hmm. And so if we sign up for something, I'm very much, I get everybody on the team involved that's going to be using it. It's a group decision. As long as I'm good with the budget, it's a group decision on practicality. And then it's implemented into our workflow. I'll give a, a shout out to um, Lost Runs Pro. It's a great example. So it's a great example. Like the price point was easy for a decision, but like, are we going to use it? Well, now, in our workflow, every renewal, every new business, it's used every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And it's so great. Like, but now it is like, there's no like, are we using also? No, it is a part of the workflow. And it's been this like really cool piece of technology mm-hmm. for the team. And so we, that's a big thing, Sid, like for me, like, because what I've seen, and I, I think a lot of people listening are, I know they're in this position, they feel numb. Mm. They don't like, I get a lot of DMs around what agency management system should I use? Mm-hmm. Hey, to use a CRM. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I have a lot of empathy for people that are starting their own agencies or taking over ones and like they're, they're just struggling mm-hmm. on those decisions. Like, cause for me, it's like, I've always been able to make those decisions a little quicker. Cause for me, I've always been a much more of a salesperson and like, Hey, I'd rather have problems with a bunch of customers on the books than problems with none. Because mm-hmm. let me tell you something, go build your perfect little technology stack and workflow and then go get your first 10 clients and it ain't gonna work. So <laughs> I'd rather be simultaneously going mm-hmm. to get the clients, figuring out as we go. Cause mm-hmm. the only way to figure out your tech stack is to have clients. Yep. Period. Sometimes you gotta and, jump out of the airplane without a parachute from with you. Yeah. Yep. And, and if you're transparent, something messes up. So all you gotta do is, You'll be shocked when you're actually honest with other humans when other humans go, wow, thank you for being honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that, I, oh, no big deal. Let me know when it's fixed. <laughs> it's counterintuitive, but it's true. And so I, I, we've, the core values are big for us, like mm-hmm. in, in deciding technologies, mm-hmm. we try not to just chase the, the tiny, ob, uh, the shiny objects because like yeah. that can be really easy to do. Yeah. I think personally in my seat, the hardest thing I have as you know, like I shared earlier, we've got 13 uh, employees about to go on 14. We're hovering somewhere around 220, uh, 220 grand per employee, you know, revenue metric. And 
like it's really hard for me to like I, I feel like the only thing that would make me happy in my brain sometimes is to have some big customized AMS CRM like where it's like it does everything I want but I know the reality is that that's also going to be painful and hard and its own set of challenges and so I've learned a lot a lot about patience mm. like um uh, and really and the people are going to think I'm just saying this because I'm on a vertical podcast but that's fine yeah we use AMS 360 we use agency zoom reference connect um part of my like why we went with AMS 360 was like we understood the strengths and weaknesses of it and like we were willing to accept some of that and then we also we did see whether it might not be fast enough for some we did see improvement over time mm. and then like on agency zoom like to be honest like we're probably too big for it a lot of times like you know what we're trying to do but then there's just some really cool things that it does that we're like oh that's worth it like mm -hmm. uh, it just is and so you have to get really good at like um i hate using the word settling because it sounds negative but you really do you have to get good at like hey i'll take that because i'm getting that mm -hmm. i don't know if that makes sense mm -hmm. but like for those out there that are like and, and it can be listen i ain't gonna call none of my buddies out all these linkedin celebrities but like there's a lot of people that read their content and they get super insecure Mm -hmm. And they get super down on themselves mm -hmm. because they think I ain't got figured out. Mm -hmm. Newsflash, they don't either. Okay. They are also in the trenches working it out. The difference is, is a lot of those people that I'm talking about are, they'll take risks. They'll try anything and um, good. Like, but like for a lot of people that are taking in that content, they're like, oh my God, like, how did they make all this work together? I'm like, they're still trying to figure that every day. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a huge lie in our industry right now that because of marketing, no offense, that like people have got it figured out. And I think we've got to like start meeting people where they're at going, Hey, we're all on this journey together. Yep. Let's just get better. Yep. Um, yep. I would appreciate seeing that more from the industry. Yep. But yeah. Let me, I listen, I'm with you a hundred percent and I'm not here for shiny object marketing. I like to get down to the root, the why, as you yeah. call it. Um, let me get down to that with automation. Cause you mentioned that response and transparency yeah. were two things that were like yeah. key decision makers for you. So automation's a tricky thing. I think on the one hand people mm. hear, and when I talk about automation, I'm talking about automated email commute, like automated communication. So emails, text messages that go out, um, as well as like automated tasks. So here's what to do next sort of thing without having to think about it. When does it cross the line of too much automation? I mean, you seem like a guy that really cares about the relationship, wants to make sure that the human connection is there. When does it, when does it cross that line for you? Yeah, I, I've got I'm, an answer. I'm using you as a barometer because I feel like whatever you say is probably the right line in the sand here, dude. Well, yeah, that's right. Um, so in terms of automated tasks for mm -hmm. your team, mm -hmm. I'm here for it all day. Mm -hmm. um, you, We've got a labor problem in, in insurance um, when it comes to our service team. And we, I can find talented people that have the right DNA for these jobs. The best way that I can try to get them working 
to be a part of the team and be useful and valuable, the more step-by-step I have, and if it's sitting there in their agency's in dashboard says, you need to do this task today, mm-hmm. like they have a higher chance of success if they've never been in the industry or they're still learning. So I'm all about automated tasks as a reminder of our workflow because I'm a huge believer in rinse and repeat and rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. You'll become really good at it. And then that shows. Um, so I'm okay with that all day long. I do think you need to have some audits time from time to make sure that we don't have tasks that could be combined into other tasks and just to be intentional about that. But when it comes to outbound automation, I have never once received an outbound text or email ever for anything I do that has made me think that it was a real human checking on me. Mm. I'm just being honest, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, I understand the logic and I, because I don't do personal lines, like there's going to be a lot of people disagree with me. Like, cause if, if you're heavy personal lines, I get it. Like you're trying to like high volume touch points. Like I get all the logic. I truly do. Like you're just trying to stay in their minds, right? Like a touch here, touch there. And I'm sure there's some good data that backs it up, but I think I, True. Maybe I don't. I think I represent like a normal person in this country in a lot of ways. And like, like I stayed at a Holiday Inn in Kentucky and I got to my hotel room. But by the time I checked in, right, and like I checked in, I go by that time I had a text, you know, hey, David, this is Emily. Does your room look OK? But like you could just read the text mm-hmm. and know that it was sent from a computer. Mm. And like, some people are gonna go, well, yeah, but like, isn't that nice that they checked in? And I'm like, I guess what, for me, it like really doesn't do nothing. It's, it's just kind of like a meh, mm. like mm. whatever. Because if I have a problem in my room, I'm not texting them back. I'm picking up the phone or I'm walking back down, right? Mm. Mm. And so because I'm so relational and because I'm so like high touch service butler type model, mm-hmm. like, I just think that needs to be human. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just believe it in my gut that it needs to be human. Because um, we even see, like, I mean, we see it, like, with some of our technology that we use where maybe there needs to be a signature or something, a part of this, like, workflow. Mm-hmm. We'll get calls and emails from people going, hey, is this you? Is this serious? Like, do we need to sign this? Like, people doubt that stuff. Mm. And so if you're coming at it solely from a, hey, we're just trying to get our brand out there and their brain and the zeitgeist, you know, whatever. Like, sure. Like, I guess if that's the strategy, that's the strategy. But um, I, I just don't know anyone who's, like, gotten that text. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Maybe besides like my mother is 65. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just, like, versus the person who emails me or texts me or calls me. Yeah. Hey, or sends me a letter in the yeah. mail or they, hey, just checking in. Like, this was so great. I'm glad we're working together. Like, and knowing that I have that person. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just my thing. And how do you do that in personal I have no idea. I do know some people that are doing more of that and having success, but I understand that it's a lot harder when you're trying more of a volume play versus 
um, like the commercial world where it's not as much of a volume play. Mm -hmm. But I just three Arbor, it's going to take a lot for three Arbor to to ever do automated messaging out or automated response. Like I just how do you how do you find efficiency then? Like where do you look for efficiency in the business if it's not through? Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you right now. And I, I, I'm going to do two plugs here. Okay. And I, you know, and I'm, you know, if you need to bleep their names out, that's fine. Okay. Okay. Um, first, Marble Box. Mm. So, I couldn't be a bigger fan of this company. Mm. I, when we started thinking through our journey with virtual assistants and third parties and stuff. I was a little nervous around VAs because I didn't want to get attached to someone. Mm -hmm. That was like my biggest worry was that like that individual would become ingrained into our like culture and then they're gone. And Marlbox's like whole model was this like team approach. It could be a number of different people doing it, but as long as everything's documented and stuff mm -hmm. and we take documentation super seriously on in terms of like steps. Mm -hmm. And so we just, we started Marlbox last, last uh, maybe Q3, mm -hmm. and we're finally, I mean, we've been fighting hard to get 40 hours with them because they crush. They have, on our renewal process, they have completely taken over our whole front-end renewal process oh. where they're taking all our apps, put them all, getting the renewal ready, taking all the accords, everything, loading to our digital application software, like getting it all ready so that our team can then take it and go work with the client, right? Mm -hmm. So could not be a bigger fan of Marlbox. And to be honest, as soon as we hit 40, like if we get like, which should be here the next month or so, like we're gonna just pay overtime for them until then instead of hiring another person, I'm gonna hire another model another 40 at Marlbox mm -hmm. and to try to get as much of the back end. They've been doing quoting for us. so. Mm -hmm. Like in the price point, just like, and I could make a whole speech on like EBITDA and like why that's a good from a just like a money standpoint, but just from an efficiency standpoint, mm -hmm. like once again, we have documented workflows. So now when my producer puts their lead in agency zoom and it hits that column, Marble Bot gets a task to take all that information, put it into AMS 360, get accords, put it into SharePoint, and then the team can take everything out and go to market. Yep. And it has created, it is so awesome. Like yep. it, and then, and then my another plug that we, and this, and like, I need to be very transparent because like I'm on the advisory council for Ascend. So you can like disregard everything I say because of that role. However, it truly, we tracked it. Ascend saved us 20% wow. hours Wow. For our controllers, eight hours a week. Wow, that's insane. Like I'm not making that up. Like mm. I'm truly not making that up because, mm. like, what people and some of this is because of our size and where we were headed and time. But like, what people like when you are having to invoice, collect, pay wholesalers, pay carriers, do all that, and you're having to go to different portals, different places and having to reconcile, it takes more time you think. Like a lot of people in these leadership roles, they don't understand how much time that's taking. We go to Ascend 
Now we don't have to go get that third party finance agreement. It's all right there. We manage the dashboard. We can pay all our people from there. We can see progress. We can set automated follow-ups for billing, mm. right? Where it's like, hey, just a reminder, your bills due. Mm. Our AR has never been better in the in the five years. True, I'm not like it's like blew my mind last year mm. that where we used to be, and it'd be 60, 90 days out, waiting on money still, followed up now. Like it's rare for us to even get close to 60. We're always third year in. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like it's crazy how much our AR is better. Um, and then how my controller now has all that time to do other things. Wow. And we have had, we've got to avoid having to bring on a part-time because of that. And so like Ascend, like, mm-hmm. and like there's competitors of Ascend. If you don't like Ascend, they have some similar offerings like whoa Mm -hmm. like we trusted technology and it worked Mm -hmm. guess what did it mess up at times you better believe it did just like humans mess up at times Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. like no different and you learn people to blame technology but it's like the same thing and so like those are two really like good examples of efficiencies and then the like of technology efficiencies and then like a more human efficiency that we do at three arbor is our our service model um you know, the size that we're at, a lot of people use like, here's your, whatever you call them, account manager, CSR, account, man, uh, account executive, whatever. And then like that person works with a producer, maybe two, and they do everything, right? I mean, they're doing new business renewals. We don't do that here. We, producer gets an account, they're gonna work on it, goes in our agency Zoom. And then we have somebody who's over a new business that gets in there, takes it, and if we bind it, they set up the master cert, everything's ready to go. Mm-hmm. And then that flips over to we now, the producer stays on the account, but we have a, what we call a reactive team, our client experience managers, who they do all the servicing for 12 months. Certificates, endorsements, questions, they're there. When the renewal comes back out, we have a renewal pipeline at Agency Zoom, 120 days out, we get notified. And then Emily on our team does all that. So renewal, her pipeline, boom hits hers, she starts the renewal process. Mm-hmm. She didn't do the new business, she didn't do the servicing, all she focuses on the renewal. So now what we're doing is rinse and repeat. This is what the larger agencies do. They have teams of people mm-hmm. who do certain things over and over again. Mm-hmm. And we've got to figure out how to do that at smaller agencies. Mm-hmm. Not only can you scale better, but you can compete better. Mm-hmm. And so when you lose that employee, Mm. who is tired of working for you and your producers like depressed because they knew everything about them. We have eliminated the, every producer has their own way of doing it. We've eliminated it. Mm-hmm. No, we have one way of doing it. One way, mm-hmm. period. Mm. And then be, the task, if we lose somebody, yeah, we might have to train somebody a little bit, but guess what? When they show up at work in their dashboard, it says what you're doing today. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so we're trying to take that pressure off, yep. right? Yep. Does that make sense? One last question for you, man. Would you would you be willing to uh, come on? And for those interested, which I can tell you right now, there's going to be a lot of people interested, share how that service model works and maybe walk through a little bit of the oh, yeah. marble box integration and Ascend integration. Yeah. And Okay. Yeah, we've got... We've, and we've got it all like, I've got documents that I do not mind sharing with people either, but like, just like what it looks like, what the workflow, who does what, like mm. it, 
it, it really makes a lot of sense. All right. Um, All right. Well, for those of you guys listening, stay tuned. Uh, we'll take you on a deep dive. So just look out for the emails that'll be coming your way. And thank you so much for coming on. You're amazing. And I just, <laughs> your story, what you've built, how you're thinking outside the box with Three Arbor, how, you know, you're changing things up constantly for the better. Um, I, it's people like you are leading the independent channel into the next generation. So even though it, well, it, I'm sure it doesn't feel like that on a daily basis, it's true. It, 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 does, it, it doesn't at all. Um, but I can tell you this, I'm having a whole lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're not talking legacy. We're just talking today. Yeah, so that's right. Yep. I'm just having so much fun, Sid. And, you know, please tag me. All the legacy people just come at me. Let's have some fun today and uh, we'll, we'll be good. But this is what this is for. So you're doing a good job. Um, you're building, you're, you're getting out there, getting people's stories out there. We need to be learning, communicating, mm -hmm. figuring this out. It's a big industry. It's a lot of fun. Uh, as I told the people in Kentucky, you know, there's fewer and fewer people who have pleats in their pants in mm -hmm. this industry now. Mm -hmm. And we, we've got to lean in to the youth uh, of, of this energy, whether it doesn't really matter about age, but the youthful energy that does exist. And that's going to be the catalyst to catch up with other industries. Um, so thank you for the platform. Love what you heard? Listen, don't stop here. We know you don't want to. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or YouTube if you love watching and get notified as soon as new episodes come out weekly. Let's go.